0: This morning, or that you would have excited for church. Yes. Today would be a big day for us. I just ask you to bless this day and the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, get in your Bible to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Good to have you in class uh, today. And uh, next week, uh, I will be in Nicaragua, uh, and so uh, we'll have a substitute teacher in here. Wally's going to be teaching in here. I've heard good things about uh, him teaching adults. Um, I, I've never heard him, uh, but I've heard good things. And so uh, he's going to be in here, and then we'll pick up uh, the parenting uh, thing uh, when I get back. And, uh, but do pray for me, and uh, there, there's uh, a lot going on. Uh, we have a um, uh, three to four hour drive after dark um, to get from uh, the airport to uh, where we 're going. Um, they used to say that it was unsafe, but the missionary that 's now says, "I do it all the time and so so all right <laughs> and so we 're doing it um, but it but it 's all good and uh, So we begin, as always, uh, with questions. Uh, Question one, how would you handle misbehaving children under your care that are not yours? Uh, Remember, parents uh, are the ones that have the authority from God to discipline their own children. Um, I will say this, I believe wise parents uh, delegate some of their authority from God Uh, to whoever's caring for your children, whether you delegate some authority to the school, to their uh, Sunday school teachers, or to somebody who's uh, watching them. I think if you just decide, hey, I'm the only authority in their life, I I don't think that's wise. Uh, In my opinion, uh, for any kind of minor correction, whether it's smacking a hand, giving time out, um, you know, not letting them have an ice cream when everybody else has an ice cream, that to me is no big deal. I do think that um, you know, and we watch our grandchildren pretty regularly, we do not do what I would describe as discipline them. Uh, We've never asked for permission, we've never been given permission, Um, and we don't watch them typically long enough to where I feel like we need it. Uh, But I will say this, um, if someone is watching your kids a lot, like say they granny sit every day while you're at work, you're unwise if you don't uh, delegate authority to discipline those children in your absence to that person. So say, well, I don't trust them. Well, if you don't trust them, then you should get somebody else. Um, you, you know, I, I just, I don't think it does kids. It is never good for children to be undisciplined. We spend a lot of time, you know, talk about what the Bible teaches about that. Question number two, when is it inappropriate to spank girls? Uh, the Bible makes no distinction In physical discipline by gender. Uh, When five times in Proverbs it talks about a rod, uh, it doesn't link that with a male or a female. It's linked with a parent and a child. And so I think whether your child is a male or a female, you should always begin the discipline process with physical things. And by the way, when your children are young, that is literally the only discipline they understand. Now, the older they get, there's other things I understand, but I would say the same thing. Use physical, begin with physical discipline. I would never do physical discipline beyond somewhere between 9 and 11, depending on the kid. And to me, the issue is not the gender. The issue is the effectiveness. You know, if it's ineffective, why are you continuing to do it? You know, so uh, find what's effective for your boys and and girls. But the Bible teaches beginning with physical discipline. I think physical, personally, I believe physical discipline, whenever it's done right on small children, always works. And um, I, I think, like we've talked in here, I don't think people very often do it well. And by the way, I never, by never, I mean never, gave our children more than two swats. And I could count on one hand the time they got two. Uh, it was always one. Uh, question number three: How we deal with a t- how do we deal with a child who screams and stomps away whenever we discipline them? Um, how your child responds to discipline is a part of the discipline process. And I would treat how your child responds to the discipline as a separate issue from whatever it is they're being disciplined for. Um, I mean, for, for instance, if your child receives their discipline well, you, you know, and, you know, they're a little bit older, so it's beyond getting a swat and sitting in your room and calming down, you know, I think you can consider showing them some mercy if they receive it well. If they receive discipline badly, I think you should add to, to what they do. Uh, if your child screams and stomps away when you discipline them, uh, then what you need to do, you need to sit them down. You say, okay, hey, the next time you scream and stomp, uh, when you get your discipline, this is what's going to happen, and then you do that. Uh, just like we've talked, it, you need a discipline process. This is not the only process. Our process was we sent them to our room, and that give. Them, time to think about what they did. It give us time to decide what we were going to do. Uh, we went in calmly, discussed what happened. Uh, what do you get when you do this? Uh, I get a spank. Lean over my leg. They'd lean over my leg. i give them one swat. I gave it hard. Uh, and Sit there, think about it, talk to the Lord, calm down, I'll be back in. And I would come back in sometime between five and ten minutes later I would sit down by him. I would say, hey, you, you know, I don't like doing this. I love you. Uh, please don't do that again, no matter what. You always have a friend in your dad, and I would hug him, and it would be done. You, you know, when you use a disciplined process, uh, it's going to, to work. You, you know, when, when you just get angry and start wailing on them, that's not discipline. That's you out of control. Um, Question number four, in today's world, how much of the problem with kids are is medical issues versus discipline and parenting issues? That's a good question. I don't really have the answer to that um, as far as a percentage-wise. I, I do know this. There's something wrong when in one generation we can go from almost no medication of children to, from what I understand, 20% of children being medicated for something. There's something wrong. Uh, It could be, in part, our expectations for children are not good. It could be, in part, uh, the way the parents handle them, because I don't believe, in general, that parents require their children to behave uh, at home and sit still, and so, consequently, it's not a shock that they can't do that anywhere. Uh, And I, I think long before I would ever... Consider medication. I would be looking at their diet. I would be looking at how consistently uh, you handle them. And you need just face up to the fact some kids are tougher to raise than others. You know, listen. There's some adults, and and just by nature, you're mellow. And then there's other adults, and you're more like me by nature. I'm not mellow at all. Uh, Listen, I was a really, really difficult kid to to raise. I'll admit it. My mom will tell you that. My dad will tell you that. My sisters will tell you that. You you, you know what? Uh, God chose them for you and you for them. And and so whatever your situation, you know, just embrace it. God didn't give it to you because you can't do it. He gave it to you because you can. Question number five, does a discipline need to be the same consequence for the same action every time or should we change it up? The whole idea of change it up might work good for your date night <laughs> um, versus, hey, every Friday night we go to McDonald's and, and split a small fry in a water. You, you, you know, uh, it, change it up for date night is probably a good idea. When it comes to discipline, consistency is the key. Your child should always know if I do this, this happens. If I don't do this, this happens. And you decide whatever it is that's going to happen before the situation. And then that way you're not doing what you do in anger. Whatever you do is not a surprise to them. Uh, And so, yeah, don't change it up when it comes to discipline. Uh, Someone said parents who always give their children nothing but the best usually wind up with children who behave the worst. Uh, By the way, I believe it's a faulty idea of parenting that your children should always have more than you had. I don't think that that's wise. I think that, I actually think it's dumb. Uh, some thoughts to ponder about parenting. Uh, number one, pace the privileges you give your children. Uh, I wish you'd set, let that set in. You know, I know parents, they, they let their seven-year-old girl, you know, wear um, makeup, shave her legs and, uh, and, and everything else. I mean, well, why, why are you doing that? What are you going to give them as they get older as a privilege of taking on more responsibilities? You know, one of the best things you do as a parent is link privileges with responsibilities. And when you just give them everything, when when they're little, you have nothing to use uh, later on. Uh, Another thought to ponder, uh, gradually increase responsibility that you give your children along with increased privileges. Uh, And I just talked about that a little bit today. We are on week nine. Uh, We're either going to be together 13 or 14 uh, weeks. I've got 15 or 16 weeks of lessons, and I'm trying to decide what to uh, include in here for this particular uh, group of people. Uh, Again, I tell you this every week, I do not have all the answers. Uh, I do not pretend uh, to to know everything. I, I just I have been through a lot. I've seen a lot, uh, good and bad, and I have a genuine desire to help you and your children. Uh, and I pray for you all the time in, in, in this regard. Uh, and we, of course, are turning to the Bible because our Heavenly Father does really know uh, what produces a better life for our children than we do. Now, we spent three weeks on discipline. Uh, Today, we're going to start a new subject, and we'll spend the next few weeks on different aspects of this subject, and the subject we're going to begin is is character. Um, We have repeatedly talked about how important our example it is when it comes to training our children. Uh, When it comes to the issue of character, that is especially true. Uh, If I was picking... Uh, the thing that is most different today about Americans than 50 years ago, I I would pick character. Uh, That is not just true in the world, that is true in the church. Uh, Because our character is very much influenced by the character of the society around us. Uh, Hear me when I say this, character and faith are not synonyms. Does everybody know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is you can have genuine faith in Jesus Christ and have very little character. Or you can have good character for reasons other than honoring Christ and have no faith. If you don't have character, you are going to bomb in life. That, that's why some people with genuine faith, they live a miserable life because they have no character with their faith. By the way, that's why you can see people, I mean, there's millions of them. They don't have any real faith in Jesus Christ, but they got good character, and so they do well in life here. Uh, I think I probably echo the idea that probably all of you have is, is this. I, I wanted to raise our children, Sharon and I wanted to raise our children with both faith and character. Character is learned behavior. It is not the same as talent. It is not the same as ability. It is learned and it can be taught. Uh, No one is born with good character. Uh, You might be here and you were not raised with good character. Uh, That doesn't mean you can't learn good character and have good character. Uh, You might have been raised with good character, and your parents tried to model and teach you good character qualities. Listen, you still have to choose to embrace them. Uh, One of the the most helpful things you do for your child in life is to teach them good character. And um, Proverbs chapter 22, uh, when you think about parenting, this this is probably... If if everybody only, any, only knows one Bible verse on parenting, this is the one they know. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And uh, a lot of people teach this to be a Bible promise. I was taught that, uh, and for many years I believed it was a Bible promise. As time went on and I began to understand life and Proverbs Uh, A little bit better, I came to believe that it isn't a Bible promise, it's a a Bible principle, it's a proverb. Uh, A proverb is a general principle for life that generally holds true. Uh, Listen, all of us wish there was a silver bullet. And if we shoot the silver bullet, our children will believe in Jesus Christ as a young child, live for Jesus as a teenager, build good character, and become a faithful Christian, a wonderful spouse, a faithful parent. We wish there was a silver bullet. And people treat this like it's a silver bullet. And its they're just not even thinking through what it says. If it were a Bible promise, it's not even a promise to those who do the best they can. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. If it's a promise, it's not even a promise for you to raise your children uh, as well as other parents raise theirs. It's not a promise to raise your children like you were raised. It's not even a promise for you to raise your children the way you think they should go. Uh, And though, again, I... After time went on, I stopped believing it to be a promise. I still, when I prayed for our children, uh, claimed it. Uh, God, you said if I had to train up our children in the way they should go, you said they wouldn't depart from it when they're old. I still claimed that. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be faithful teenagers. I mean, again, if you stop and think about it, there's a lot of questions, and, and my mind is wired like this. I mean, uh, the first thing I, I say, well, what does it mean when they're old? When they're old, they will not depart from it. Is that 17? Again, if you look at that word, it's used 26 times in the Old Testament, 20 of them. It's clearly ancient, not middle-aged, ancient. Uh, three of the 26, they're like this. You can't really tell. Uh, <laughs> That means this this has nothing to do with a teen and young adult. The second thing to note is it's the word train. Train up a child in the way they should go. Uh, Every other time that word is translated, it's translated as dedicated. The one other time the word train appears in the Old Testament, it talks about Abraham's servants who were trained to be soldiers. And so, this Bible principle that people claim is a promise really actually says that children who are disciplined and trained like a soldier, who are pointed at what they should be, will stick with that when they're ancient. And listen, the, the Bible doesn't mean what people say it means, it means what God said it means. That's what it says. That being said, listen, I still would be, God, teach me, show me how I should be training our children, how I should be disciplining them, where I should be pointing them. God, cause them not to depart from it, just not when they're ancient. God, cause them not to depart from it when they're a teenager. God, cause them not to depart from it when they're a young adult. Uh, Listen, there's lots of ways you can pray, but that's what the Bible verse actually teaches. In the average Christian uh, in a church basically thinks, if I do the best I can raise my from my, my kids, when they get to be an adult, they won't depart from it. That's what the average, that's how the average Christian takes that. But it isn't what it says. I hate to burst your bubble, but it's just not what it says. Uh, that being said, it's still a great principle, great hope. And uh, if you weren't in this class you, you know, you're in here because you're at least somewhat interested in what it means to train up your children the way you go, where they should go. Um, if you're really interested, you actually watch these lessons in weeks you can't be here. But it does bring up a good question. What kind of character attributes should I train and build into my child and, and model myself? I'll go in your Bible to Titus chapter 1. And we're going to spend a couple of weeks on different uh, character qualities and how to attempt to uh, put them in your children. There's, uh, I, I have no idea, uh, I'm not going to go around the room, but there's probably uh, a lot of people would say, you know what, my parents love me, but they didn't train me to have good character. By the way, thank God you had parents that loved you. Uh, I had parents that loved me, but they didn't model good character. Uh, Thank God you had parents that loved you. I remember years ago, knocking on an apartment door, There's a teenager laying on a couch, his grandma, complete stranger, says uh, his parents threw him in the dumpster when he was little, and I didn't think that was right, and I got him out, and, and so I'm raising him. But he won't listen to me. And so here's a kid who's grown up in his grandparents' house, who is just being told his parents thought he was trash. And and so whenever you you get thinking uh, about how bad you have it, understand, there's a lot of really lousy people up there. Uh, And today what I want to do is talk about what I think is the first character quality to put uh, in your children, which is... Uh, identify with the gender God gave them. Uh, Kind of interesting. Remember, sometimes the Bible gives uh, general instruction to uh, people. You know, doesn't distinguish males and females. Other times, and this is one of them, there's specific instruction for men and for women. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says, Speak thou the things that become sound doctrine that the aged men... Uh, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. Notice six character qualities that are good in men. Verse three, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Notice these qualities that should be embraced by an older woman and there are also qualifications says that they may. So if you're an older lady and do these things, that qualifies you to, in verse four, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And then those eight character qualities, we're doing those on Wednesdays. Verse 6, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. There's a quality to embrace it as a a young man. And I I don't want to take time to define all these things. We're doing that to some degree on Wednesdays in the summer. What I do want to point out is, is that God has some gender differences, some identification that he gives. God God is not a unisex God. Treat everybody, males and females, the, the same way in all ways. There are some things he expects that are linked to our gender. Now, I believe men and women are equal. I do not believe men and women are the same. And you need to put that in Your mind, because our culture teaches that because men and women are equal, they are therefore the same. That is a bad assumption. Men and women are equal, but God does not always have the same expectations from them. Men and women are equal, but God has different roles at times for them in some situations. And what I would say to you is, you know what, there are certain cultural traditions we have in America that are linked with men and women. And to whatever degree you're comfortable with those, as long as they don't contradict the scriptures, go for it. Uh, But there are some things God is linked with gender, and it doesn't matter what culture you're from. Uh, whether you're an American or a South American or an African or a Europe, it doesn't matter. You, we have no business changing those things. And so, what I'm going to just do today, I ask you, set aside your personal preferences, and I want to talk a, a little bit about helping our children identify with their gender. Let me ask you a question before we start: Which is superior, a scissors or a lawnmower? How many people think a scissors is superior? How many people think a lawnmower is superior? How many people don't know? The answer is neither. Uh, If you're cutting grass, a scissors works, but not well. If you're cutting paper, you can do that with a lawnmower too, but it doesn't work well. Hey, listen, things are not inferior or superior because they're different. Things are superior when they find and do what they were designed to do. When you put a lawnmower on grass or a scissors on paper, it's designed to do that. That is superior. And it's the same with us. Now, we could spend a whole week on this, but I don't want to. We don't have that much time together. But the Bible teaches men and women have different roles in the church. Pastors are men. Deacons are men. Uh, teaching men and usurping authority of men in the church its forbidden to women. Nothing to do with ability. Nothing to do with how spiritual they are. Listen, there's some very unspiritual men. It's not why it's like that. Uh, God designed it like that. Scriptures teach men and women have a different role in the home and marriage. The wife is the heart of the home. She submits to her own husband. The husband is the head of the home. He sacrificially loves his wife. Those have nothing to do with ability, nothing to do with spirituality or culture, the way God designed. Scriptures teach men and women should have a different outward appearance. You know, it is a lie when you hear some moron on Facebook or some moronic person stand behind a pulpit and say, how you dress doesn't matter. That's, that's a lie. 1 Corinthians 11 teaches that hair length matters. I didn't design it. Put it in your notes. Look it up. 1 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15. Uh, Deuteronomy 22 teaches that clothing uh, should be distinct for our gender. Hair length is distinct for gender. Uh, clothing is distinct for gender. L- listen, I get some people overly define those things. I get that. I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying it is a lie to say those things don't matter. Um, So if God has a different plan in the church for men and women, it kind of only makes sense that there's some ways we ought to raise boys and girls differently. If God has a different plan for men and women in the home, it only makes sense that there ought to be some differences. I, I, I get it. Some things are the same. But there ought to be some differences. If God has a different plan for the outward appearance of a man and a woman, by the way, it only makes sense that there are some ways to raise boys differently. I do not support some super narrow definition of masculinity or, or femininity, but listen, hear me when I say we need to raise our boys to value manhood and being men, and we need to raise our girls to value womanhood and being a woman. Um... 50 years ago, I would not have needed to have this conversation with you. Uh, But today, I do. If this business was going on when I was growing up, I mean, it was just in dark corners and and pockets. Um, By the way, for, for those of you who hate the public school because of what they do, I personally do not believe that kids who are raised right are very susceptible to falling for this. I think this is a low-shelf thing that any child who's raised right, they hear somebody teaching that, and they say, that's, that's not right. And by the way, churches in general have squelched masculine males. The average Baptist church has all kinds of women, <laughs> and the average church in general, and very few men. Uh, They don't want strong men around. Hey, Strong men are a pain. Especially when they're like 17, 18, 19. I mean, man, they're a pain. They are. And because of that, it's very easy for some moms, especially in churches, they're afraid to to raise males to be strong. Because it's kind of ugly when it's 15. Uh, churches are filled with, I'll just read what I have here. It says, churches in general are filled with women whose husbands don't show up or provide spiritual leadership in the home. They should, so they find it easy to fail to treat their husbands with the honor and respect they deserve. Quote from my notes. See, but what that means is if you have a daughter, it makes it easy for you to be afraid to teach her to submit to a husband because you're afraid of who that might be. It's easy. And again, I'm not condoning some narrow definition of masculine or, or feminine. I'm just saying, you know, God described these things broadly. And if we believe John three sixteen, why don't we believe what God says about gender? Because God placed you and I in a culture that (laughs) does not promote gender specificity, you and I today have to be very careful to carefully and purposely point our children to their biological gender. By the way, uh, I was a youth leader for 20 years uh, in a conservative church. And I would say of church families, there were at least four homosexual males. In every one of those cases, the parents, and the mom in particular, blurred these lines I'm talking about. And, and, I, and again, I, I don't want to overly single out moms because you're the heart of the home. But, but understand, when you were looking for a, a man, you wanted a strong male. And after you have one for a while, you're wishing he'd be a little more gentle and a little more emotional. And you're going to tend to try to put that in a young male when the natural growth or order is become strong, learn to become weak. I'm sorry, learn to become meek and be a balanced person. You raise your male to first be gentle, and it's very unlikely that his gentleness will ever grow into meekness. It will always be weakness. So what should I do as a parent to point my children to their God-given gender? Here's number one, dress your boys like boys and your girls like girls and compliment them for the way they look. Listen, you are shaping your children's view of themselves and their tastes by how you dress them when they're young. Uh, Listen, we have grandkids, and they started recognizing who they were in pictures, you know, when they were two. You're, hey, you know, when your daughter, when you've dressed her like a girl, say, hey, you look great in that. When you have your little boy dressed him up as a boy, hey, you look great in that. Here's number two, give your boys a boy haircut and girls a girl ha- haircut. Compliment them for the way they look. Uh, I've told this story before in marriage and some of you all are gonna cringe, but you know what? Um, she's the one that's had to put up with me. Uh, we didn't agree over cutting Wallace's hair. I don't, know. He, I don't know how old he was, nine months old. Very young. And his hair was over his ears. And um, we couldn't agree on it. So what would you do? I cut it when she was gone. And you shake it. She didn't like it either. Hey, listen, I'm not leading my home to please my wife. I love her. I would do anything I can to please her sacrificially. but, But listen, when it comes to something I feel strongly about, it is what it is. I could or lump it. Thank God, my wife is not like some of you women who would hold a grudge for a week or a month. Nah, she had one for a few hours. Still do. <laughs> See, I tell the story rehashes all those feelings. I, l- l- listen, you are shaping their image. Oh, we look so cute in those curls. Stop that! Stop that! Stop that! You are not raising that child for you. Stop it. One of the reasons I don't look at Facebook much is cuz it just like makes me barf at some of the stuff that people say. They're just they're out and out ignorance. Start them young, shape their tastes. Here's number 3. Teach them to be proud of whatever gender God chose for them. Listen, your little girl, she ought to be so happy she's a little girl, so proud she's a little girl. It ought to be the greatest thing in the world that God made her a girl. And your little boy ought to feel the same way. Proud he's a boy. Put that deeply in them. Do you really believe God knew what he's doing when He when He picked their when, they're, when they pick their gender. Uh, one young man I know who's a homosexual, uh, and maybe not practicing at this point, but just still grossly effeminate, uh, he, uh, his mom told him all his life, I wanted a girl. And when he was very little, uh, his mother bought him girl toys and gave him girl clothes because she always wanted a girl. And there's a young man who will suffer all his life for his mother's selfishness? Number four, make sure the biggest part of their toys, games, and work point them to their gender. I get it, some things are appropriate for both, but some are not. Number five, raise your boy, stressing consistency, independence, strength. Uh, listen, those, those are key to becoming the provider and protector. Listen, I don't want to raise our boys to have their wife need to protect them. God said to Job, gird up thy loins now like a man. There's a way a man faces the truth, and God expects it. Paul said to the Corinthian believers, quit you like men, be strong. There's a kind of masculine strength and a refusal to quit that ought to characterize a male. I'm not implying women shouldn't be strong. Was that you, Max? (laughs) Sure, blame the baby. (laughs) Listen, there is a kind of strength that ought to characterize a man. Uh, Look, we need strong women. We really do. But there is a kind of a strength, an unbendableness that ought to characterize a man. I don't think this means a boy can't sing or play piano until he loses his masculinity when he does them. Listen, I believe it's more masculine to play sports than not, but you don't have to play sports to be a boy. I believe it's more masculine to work physically with your hands and use tools than not, but I don't believe you have to work physically or use tools to be a man. I believe it's more masculine to lift weights or drive a truck, but but I don't believe you have to lift weights or drive a truck to be man. Uh, Listen, I'm just saying... (laughs) Point your boys to the character qualities that characterize men in the Bible. A raise your girl stressing submission and support of her husband, the importance of the home, a meek and quiet spirit. Uh, remember, we just read that young women are to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, keepers a guard. Listen, your daughter ought to love the home. Uh, Do you remember in Proverbs 7, the uh, harlot woman? It says of her, she's loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. Did you ever notice how that's the opposite of a meek and quiet spirit? Listen, I I get that. This is not some narrow thing. It's a wide thing, but it's a principle that we need to raise our girls with. And listen, we live in a culture where Girls, it's an aggressive culture for for women, and and you're raising your girls in this culture, and so you're going to have to fight some of this because, hey, it's just everywhere. It's more feminine to wear skirts and frilly clothes, but they don't have to do that to be feminine. It's more feminine to primp their hair and wear makeup, but primping isn't necessary to be feminine. It's more feminine to love home-related tasks, cleaning, childcare, cooking. That's not necessary to be feminine. It's more feminine to sew, craft, have hope chest, scrapbook, watch romantic movies. But listen, there is a wide spectrum of what it means to be feminine and to be a woman and start focusing your girls on being a strong, feminine woman. And then lastly, just trust God with his plan for their life. It absolutely sickens me that the average woman wanted a strong man when she was looking for a man, but does not raise her boy to be a strong man. Sickens me. And it also sickens me because most men, you were looking for a woman who was at least feminine to some degree when you were looking for, for a woman. And here you are. You got your four-year-old daughter out there gutting a deer with you. Now, I don't care if women hunt. I mean, that's, that, that's somewhere in, in the feminine uh, spectrum depending on how you handle it. But listen, raise and love your girls being girls and your boys Being boys. This truth about gender identification, it's as much in the Bible as salvation by grace through faith. For men to be men and women to be women, they're equal but distinct. I got to stop. You should have a paper. Uh, Write some questions down. Write something down. Say, I can't believe you did that to your wife and cut your son's hair when he was nine months old, not three months old. But they didn't stay. <laughs> hey. <laughs> My wife and I love each other, and we get along, but we don't always agree. Just set your stuff up here. I've got to go to somewhere. <laughs> Is there a reason everybody's still seated? No? Oh, well, you're dismissed.